Imagine seeing a movie as a child, then being able to score a piece of that legacy as an adult. We're talking to some composers who got to do just that today on On The Fly Filmmaking. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk. Welcome back to On The Fly Filmmaking, the show where we talk to filmmakers to learn how they do the things that they do. I've got Leo Bierenberg and Zach Robinson, the composers for Cobra Kai, the Yo- you- YouTube original, the YouTube. 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 <laughs> YouTube original. Really, really awesome show. Uh, if you guys are new to On The Fly Filmmaking, I'm Mary Lou Mandel, your host. You can find me all over the internet at Mary Lou Mandel. If you enjoy watching the show, you can subscribe to Popcorn Talk Network on YouTube to watch it. If you prefer listening, you can download the podcast on iTunes. So, Leo and Zach, thanks for joining Hi, me. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, let everyone know where they can find you guys on the internet. You do. Wow. Um, you can find me on Twitter at at Leo Berenberg. Good. Okay. Uh, I'm on the net Twitter at Zach Robinson, and Z-A-C-H. No longer 80s dad. No, my old handle was at 80s dad because I have a music project called D-A-D, which mm-hmm. maybe we wanted to talk about, but I recently switched it to Zach Robinson. It's prime real estate. Yeah. So not I'm a dad. Ne- now I'm trying, not a dad, <laughs> trying to get ZachRobinson.com, which is proving to be very difficult. Okay. All right. We'll get you there. Thanks. Can you yeah. get 80sdad.com? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah. If you get that, just make that your thing. Yeah. <laughs> that just should be a thing. Cool. Awesome. So uh, first we want to chat a little bit about your career as composers and how you guys ended up here. So start me at the beginning, uh, Leo. Tried to you got called out. Off, but oh, you got I called got, out. How'd you just I, get into music? I got into music. Uh, like most kids get into music, like fifth grade band. Yeah. I played the saxophone. Yes. Um, and got all the ladies. Got all the ladies, <laughs> played saxophone. I, I did pick it because I thought it was like the cool instrument at yeah. the time. Because at that point, cool. wasn't um, it like on The Simpsons? And like, well, yeah, because like everyone wants to play saxophone, at least mm-hmm. in my school. So they actually made you like try out except that like nobody knew how to play it before so basically like if you wanted to play they would give you a saxophone and be like hey can you make noise out of this and then whoever the 10 people who could make (laughs) noise actually got to do it so I passed that test yeah um I also grew up doing a ton of like musical theater uh and choir and uh quit piano lessons very early um so that sort of like hodgepodge led me into like being the band geek theater kid in high school okay and somewhere in there i just decided i preferred writing music rather than performing it Mm -hmm. um it's less stressful to like tinker behind the scenes rather than like get up and wail yeah and Um, like give it to somebody else and be like you yeah and then you can be like you do this and now change it like this. So like, you like to be puppet I master. like being a control freak. Yeah, basically. that's great. Yeah. I'm into that. Um, so, and then I just decided to pursue that in college and uh, study music at NYU and USC and moved out here and... I don't know. Yeah. Zach's I'll, I'll so where did it switch over yeah, from? And, then, and I don't know if this is maybe when you guys started working together, when it switched over from just music to like mu- music for TV and film projects, like scoring things. Well, I think it was an interest of both of ours okay. for like forever. Um, and that was something I like mean, after you guys had already linked yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, I specifically, I, I would actually say in a lot of ways, like I'm much more interested in the movie making aspect of things than I am in like being a purist musician. Like yeah. I, I would never like write music in a bubble okay. for the most right. part. Like very rarely do I ever write anything sure. like that just exists as music. Gotcha. Um, and so very early on to me, like like when I was like, five years old like I wanted to be Steven Spielberg and just ran around with a giant like camcorder and made terrible movies honestly not that terrible at the time they were quite I bet you they know were awesome. using 
first generation iMovie and mm -hmm. like kid pics like could piece together some pretty awesome special effects. But uh, I so to me like doing scores is kind of like my way of making movies. Gotcha. I'm just like doing it with music as my totally. camera. We definitely consider that as part of the, the filmmaking process. So you're all, you are filmmakers and that's why you're here. That's great. Awesome. Okay, Zach, let's talk about you. I too also made movies. I thought they were I, great. I think it's like a common theme. Yeah. I actually think a lot of well, people Well, iMovie was kind of big when we were when we were kind of growing up. Yeah. Too. Like, well, cuz we when out. we were growing up, it was the like that was it. Yeah. That was it. It, it just came out. Yeah, that's like, true, it was, right? It was I, that's it was true. brand new. It was crazy. Yeah. Um yeah, that's that just reminded me anyway. Um I kind of did the opposite path of Leo at first like I didn't play like a I, I didn't play um like an orchestral instrument or a jazz I played guitar that was yeah. like my first so instrument. what you're saying is that he was a nerd and you were cool yeah, yeah. <laughs> Zach actually got basically. all the ladies being a um, high school guitar guy <laughs> high school guitar guy and um I was in you know the standard high school guitar fair which is metal band metal bands um, did you win a battle of the I bands? I did. Well, I didn't win a battle of the bands in high school. I won in college. I won a battle of the bands. Ooh. I was in a Dave Matthews cover band. What? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and uh, so yeah, I, I the music I was started writing music like in high school, mostly for the bands and stuff, and then that kind of got into scoring. I scored the plays in high school, and a lot of the music that I wrote for like these metal bands, it was very, it was like video game metal inspired, and it was very like melodic and like cinematic. So that kind of got me into composing. I would say. And then I studied composition in Northwestern in Chicago. I'm from LA, so I actually moved back here. Oh. Um, and Leo, and then Leo and I met shortly after I moved back here. This was um, 2012, I guess. And Leo and I met while working at uh, a composer's studio named Christoph Beck, who's um, pretty big composer. He's, he's a guy. done. He's big he's, guy. Yeah, top tier. Um, Very good. Leo, Leo had been there for about a year and a half longer than I had been when I got there. Uh, Leo actually, like when I showed up first day, like before I was an intern, I just was visiting and Leo was like in a cranky mood about something. I don't remember, but. I'm frequently in a cranky <laughs> mood, so like that's not very identifiable. But we spent a lot of time, so then after we had met, we'd spent um, years, years. Of, years of working. <laughs> instant besties. Yeah, instant, yeah. instant besties working next to each other, like in studios next to each other, intercoming each other every five minutes. We had like a window and like, yeah. Oh, know. fun. So from there we learned to, you know, what our strengths were and, mm -hmm. and we would constantly come in and ask each other opinions. And it was a pretty like, it's a really, um, when you're working on, on projects that are as big, like we worked on like Frozen mm -hmm. and Muppets, Edge of Tomorrow, Ant-Man, like these big movies. A lot of movies. Takes it's a lot of time and you need a big team and um, it can be pretty stressful at times, but it's nice when you're working with, we had some other great people working there too. And it, we, I think we, we, we made the best of we it. Had a great, we learned a lot. Yeah, we learned it's a lot. A serious yeah, it sounds like, camp. It, yeah. I, like learning by fire. Just like, yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's the best masterclass possible. Yeah. And I just imagine I, you walking in and he's mean to you and you're like, Oh my gosh, you're going to be I don't know friend. if I know we were mean. I don't know if I was mean. <laughs> was just mean. grumpy. I was grumpy too. Oh, okay. We're all grumpy. You connected See, and the grumpy. story's changed. <laughs> Zach was the grumpy one. Backpedaling now. Well, I like to, I, I like to, I, I don't know. I come, the way that I work is I come in and like, I just want to get it all done because I want to go home early. Like, I want to just get it done. And Leo's into coming in. He grabs some turkey pepperoni from the refrigerator. He's munching on it. And he's like, what's up? What are you working on? And I was like, dude, like, I really want to get it done. That's kind of how, that's how we work. We still kind of work yeah. like that. <laughs> That's good. So now, so you were working at that place. You learned a lot there. What took you to this next level? Well, 
in 2014 i i like came and went a couple times there in 2014 i got the opportunity to do this show on comedy central called big time in hollywood florida nobody saw it it's <laughs> it was honestly I've been to Hollywood. it's <laughs> really that's awesome um it, it from what i've i've not been i hear it is a it's great, pretty great it's place. nice yeah. Yeah. people are friendly it's florida um Honestly, the show's hilarious. It makes a very good binge watch if you've got three and a half hours. Um, but uh, so I, I left Chris's for a little bit to go work on that <laughs> and then kind of went back after that happened and uh, ended up doing a couple other shows um, as they came. This show for Fox called Son of Zorn. And uh, let's see, around then we did Sing It. We did a show called Sing It. We did a show called Sing It, YouTube also on Reds, YouTube. One of, first YouTube one of their first yeah. shows. Um and I'm just I'm I'm like working out the timeline in my head. Well, I guess like we had we had gotten these projects and Sing It especially was the first one we had worked together on. Mm-hmm. There was like us, of- yeah. yeah. And and then from there and like what's nice is like we we do work on kind of separate things a lot, but All the time. but there's but especially like with Cobra Kai as we can talk about it was there are certain projects that fit really well for both the of dual mm-hmm. profile yeah, the, du- the dual profile right and so now you had already had this connection with youtube red yes right and is that how you got this partially kind of, kind of okay. we as a result like anything youtube red that would show up on deadline of variety would just kind of like oh they're doing that now okay. and we saw like honestly it was like a news blurb about yeah like the Your early deadline, de- Hollywood yeah, reporter early of development of things. cobra kai and we were like we should do this this sounds awesome except that we didn't know anything about the show at yeah, the time they hadn't we didn't know the original cast was going to be in it we didn't we had no idea what the like mm-hmm. you know angle of it was going to be right. we just knew it was called cobra kai and it was going to be on youtube red so we put like total blind code cold call yeah. just like put a reel together and sent it to our agent and we're like was like hey see if you can get this into somebody's hands that matters like because youtube red knows us like yeah. that'd be fine and total coincidence like what three weeks later yeah. maybe like they called him up the, the producers of this show called him up to like spitball composers and he was like wait a second have you guys heard leo and zach's reel like we sent it over to so-and-so and they were like, no. And so he like got the wires to cross and suddenly yeah. like they call us up. We were in a meeting like two days later and then we got the job like 15 thir- minutes 30 minutes after, after the, the meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it How just awesome happened so fast. It was, cool. it was one of those super yeah. serendipitous Hollywood yeah. just like. <laughs> but you had to have like all this like history built up first yeah. of going here, like you guys meeting up and yeah. then you doing this one project and this one. Yeah. Like, That's true. Really cool. And it's then like, true. bam, here you go. I know. Very it seems like it's like out of nowhere, but it's not. Not at all. And it worked out, like, I mean, it doesn't often work out where you put together, like, a blind reel and the creators hear it and they say, okay, like, how the hell do these guys know what the tone of the show is? And we ended up just, like, clicking really well with Josh, John, and Hayden. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was was awesome. Now, was it this reel that you put together, was it similar to other projects you guys have done before? Well, each reel that well, we put together is pretty unique. Like we yeah. like to, we have fun kind we, of putting. We it. try it's like to a find out. We try yeah. to find out yeah. as much about the project that you're pitching for as possible. Right. And then and here we had nothing to go on. And then you kind of go through all the music well, you've written. What, and what we did have what, to go on was basically we decided that it was going to be like there's going to be action in it. So yeah, we put yeah, like some yeah. action stuff. Yeah, yeah. We didn't know like the tone of the show. And we did. We did figure like there was probably going to be something kind of eighties. So like you know we. 
had like an 80s training montage to yeah. throw in there and some other like synthwave music and like some hard rock. Hard yeah. rock. Yeah. yeah, it it was like a it was a grab bag. Honestly, it wouldn't be too too far away from style. No, that's what's crazy like about our, it. No, from seriously, like the final it's, album. It's pretty similar. Yeah. I don't know. So what are some of these before we get into specifically Cobra Kai too deep, uh, some of your other personal projects. So you mentioned Son of Zorn, you also in the big time in Hollywood, Florida. Yeah. Uh, you did Adam Ruins Everything also? I do. Uh, they have like an animated spin off of that show uh-huh. and I do the animated version. Nice. Yeah. I love that show. Yeah, it is so very, much. very funny. Awesome. And then what is your project? Uh, is it Dad or just DAD? DAD. That's the eighties dad, but it's actually pronounced DAD. Okay. Um, that's a project that I started like ten years ago. I don't it's not really as active anymore, however, it's kind of like morphed into the Cobra Kai score a little bit. Okay. Um, but I started it back in college and it's kind of like um it's 80s inspired kind of synth music, very cheesy, kind of corny. Like if you've seen Drive, yeah. like that's kind of the feels like that. It feels like that. I think like, it's I more like feel good. It's more drive. yeah, but and, and <laughs> but I had not actually, as dark, right? It's like main like there's, there's some dark, post drive. There's some dark stuff. Yeah, there's, yeah. yeah. there's like post. There's there's pre drive and post drive synth wave music, and I was pre drive. <laughs> anyway, that's a whole other conversation. Gotcha. Um, so you were there first. I'm not gonna say that. Yeah. Not, not first. That was not first, but. It got like kind of mainstream after, mm-hmm. which is cool. I mean, it's there's great artists made. Before it was cool, it's good. Yeah. Small it's, plug for Zach, but NPR picked it as a top cassette of 2013. Cool. Yeah. Exciting. Um, that, so I released an album cassette. in 2013, and a lot of that, I mean, we put some of that on the Cobra Kai reel, mm-hmm. but it's it's just like a fun project that I think it, it helped me um, kind of identify my voice in a, mm-hmm. in a way, and compositionally, even if you take away like the 80s aesthetics of it. Um, but now it kind of lives on a little bit in this in this score, so it's it's cool to explore that. Oh, it all weaves together. It's cool, yeah. Cool. And I've been, we've been like, not we. I guess I have been look. I've been looking for something like, where can I like kind of do this? I'm constantly but... pressuring Zach to do another <laughs> DAD album. Yeah, but please do. Yeah, I don't know. It could be on cassette or we'll see. On it could be on cassette. Else. I have trouble the same way that Leo does with like not. Writing music to a picture—it's very hard. It's uh-huh. And the more you write to picture, the harder it becomes to write. Like, like it's just a different, thing. right? Like yeah. you gotcha. Okay, cool. So yeah. then, let's check out the trailer for Cobra Kai, and then we will talk about that project. Cool. That's the most press that shows ever. <laughs> it's really funny. It's so sad. Who is it? Bonsai. Daniel LaRusso here for LaRusso Auto. We are chopping prices on all of our Johnny? I knew it was you. This is Johnny Lawrence. He and I go way back. Oh, this is a guy who's ass you kicked. If you want to get technical, I kicked his face. <laughs> We go, come oh, I didn't know you guys were trying to buy beer. I'm oh, oh. <laughs> hey! How far Watch are you your car, man. Get the hell out of here, loser. <laughs> oh. Was that like Taekwondo or something? It's karate. Do you think you could teach me? I'm driving home from work yesterday, and in the strip mall, I see. After 30 years, I thought that guy might have changed, but it's still the same prick. I heard you beat up a bunch of teenagers. I didn't beat up any teenagers. I kicked the crap out of a bunch of assholes who deserved it. 
Thinks he can bring Cobra Kai back to the valley? Not on my watch. You want those kids at school to keep dumping things on your head? You want all the girls to think you're a wangless dork? You're gonna be my karate teacher? No. I'm gonna be your sensei. teach you the style of karate that was taught to me. A method of fighting your pansy ass generation desperately needs. Okay, let's see what you got. She's a girl. And? I'm sorry. Oh, like, Are you okay? Girl's a natural cobra. Johnny, you and I, this, we aren't done. That is the trailer for Cobra Kai, a YouTube original series. You guys can watch it all now. The whole season is out. Right I've, I've gotten uh, three episodes in, and I'm already super, super hooked. I can't wait to just go home and watch the rest of awesome. it. I can't wait. So the Cobra Kai soundtrack, you guys can purchase it. You can also uh, probably download it yep. on iTunes. Oh, yeah. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's on Spotify? Spotify. Yes. yes. So jam Apple out to this. Music, at, at Tidal. The, Title yeah. even? Oh, yeah. yeah. All of them. Beyonce has listened to your I, album. That's true. She listens yes. to everything that goes on there. Yes, it's quality she, control, She actually. has to approve it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the, the song we used at the beginning of the episode is King Cobra, which is a really badass song. So I can't wait to, to listen to this jam out in my Thanks. car. Thanks, yeah. It's a good uh, car jam. It, it seems like it's a good <laughs> car jam, so I'm excited about that. So with uh, Cobra Kai, you, you guys just heard a concept you created this reel, then you get the project. Are you scoring before you get it or did they film it all and then give it to you to score? We'd gotten the scripts pretty early mm -hmm. because we had gotten hired really early. Normally composers get hired kind of once it's right been shot or right. most. Right. Yeah, we've heard it both Basically ways. Basically, yeah. a lot. most of the time it's like the latest possible time. <laughs> and they're like, we need a composer and it's done in two weeks. Like we need it. But this was nice because we were on relatively we early. <laughs> we were, um, we we were, were on, on early. early. Um, we were on like before they even started shooting, um, but we did not start writing music until they were done shooting or almost yeah. entirely done shooting, mm -hmm. um, and we had picture in our yeah. hands. But the process on the first episode was a lot longer than the rest of them, so relatively early in the post process, we got started yeah, it was on, nice. on writing. It was good to have like when you're first episode of a new series, it's going to take a while to get the music, and like it was nice that we had. A little extra time after being hired to ruminate on a bunch of different ideas and send it back and forth with the creators um and then you know once you get in the groove like after you know maybe two or three episodes then you've got your identity of the show and especially now like jumping back into season two is going to be nice because we've got a whole season's worth of material that we can build off of and themes and things like that. But the first episode is always the hardest one. Yeah, because you're, you're just creating a whole base level for what the whole project's going right. to be. It's like an, it's like the same way that like in the in a pilot episode, it's, it's all exposition, mm -hmm. like same musically. Like yeah. we've got to establish everything musically. Right, and then you have different themes for all the characters. We have a lot of themes in this a show. A lot yeah. of themes? Yeah. Any I favorites? Mean, uh, Oh, man, I like that's all like picking children. I honestly like oh, my baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I have a favorite favorite. We could just, like, talk through sure. kind of, like, yeah. where they are. I mean, the, the, going back they? to this first episode, like, the first the first real thing we wrote um, is, is, like, Johnny's 
kind of home base adult right 34 mm-hmm. years later sound um which on the album is a track called ace, ace degenerate, degenerate. Mm-hmm. that um, was the title of the pilot of yes, the first yes, yes yes title yeah. of the pilot um and uh that was interesting because we needed something that sort of implied not like negativity but kind of a down on your luck yeah life didn't quite go as you planned type of thing but we wanted it to have like a masculine sound to it so we ended up putting the melody on um electric bass but like played up high and we wanted it to sound contemporary you know while still being like a rock track more or less and they didn't want it to sound like melancholy so it was this was a tough one yeah it was to get the tone of it um but it's great because we have we ended up with this melody which we both like a lot and we found a a lot of ways to use it throughout the season in mm-hmm. different right. moments of triumph and defeat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I thought it was a really great way of opening it because the, like the episode opens up with some, like we're, we're yeah. catching up mm-hmm. with what's happened yeah. with these characters' we come, lives. We come yeah, right out. It's the first out, piece of score right after, Yeah, it's the first yep. piece of score and it's like right after the original yeah. footage. And who else? We got themes for, uh, so basically what we've been talking about kind of when we talk about the score, is like our three score worlds. Yeah, there we we've d- kind of divided it into yeah. three parts. Yeah, and the Gaul first is, is divided into three parts. Yeah. <laughs> first is is like Johnny score, as Leo was talking about, which is also it's it's that theme that's in Ace Degenerate, but a lot of it is also scored with the way that he hears himself, which is like just total '80s hair metal badassery, yeah, badass. like that instrumentation. So there's tracks like on the album like Strike First, uh, King Cobra, the track that we they opened replaced, up with, yeah. like those types of things. What, what was the other one you said? Oh, I was agreeing with King, King Cobra. Oh, yeah. So, like, it's also fun because I don't think there's been, like, a hair metal score. No. Of, of I, anything like honestly, that. Honestly, early on, one thing I remember us discussing, I can't remember if... I feel like we haven't said this to anybody <laughs> recently, but, like, we, we, we were talking about Stranger Things and going into it, which was, like, a very different kind of 80s thing. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of like, what, what they did in Stranger Things was was do like an authentic replication of a certain kind of 80s score and we wanted to do that for a very different kind of 80s yeah. score. Right. It's like not a bad approach. It worked right. for yeah. them and it really sets the tone even though this is in modern day. Right. Right. You're seeing he's, a, he's trapped back he's there. He's trapped. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so is and also, you know, Daniel in a way is also trapped mm-hmm. which leads nicely yeah, into, into the our, other score uh, world. <laughs> the second region of Gaul, which is uh <laughs> sorry, I'm weird place. Uh, uh Daniel's sound, uh, you know, the Mr. Miyagi legacy, um, Miyagi-Do, which is what he ends up calling his sort of private karate school for himself. Um, And for that, uh, you know, it's a totally different palette. It's a lot of orchestra, a lot of Japanese influences, a lot of Japanese flutes. I'm a big, uh, big flute guy. Um, Japanese percussion, although that's kind of littered throughout. And... uh, you know, some of that palette we kind of took mm-hmm. listening to the original movies, which have a very sweeping orchestral score yeah. to them. What's a good track for that? that um, illustrates she's that. actually playing one right one? now. Yeah, Miyagi Do. Is this oh, Miyagi? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. yeah, Miyagi Memories is also is also in that world. Yeah, it's good. So that's that, like pulling a little bit from the original movie. Totally. Yeah, we, in, yeah, at least in terms of like the color palette, like mm-hmm. this kind of right. orchestra and Japanese sound, and then it was on us to again make it sound like something they would have lived with a character for the last 34 years and like what does that sound like now right like what is the you know right using that palette sound like now yeah. yeah and there were a few times where we actually used some of the bill conti material 
um, in, in very sneaky ways. In sneaky no way, ways, like... um, and and in very specific parts where the, where the showrunners really wanted to connect it to the original movies. And I think that, like we didn't use we did not use a ton of Bill Conti, almost none. And I actually. think it was nice because we treated the the music was the, kind of the way that they treated the show. Like there's you know yes there's nostalgia and yes but it's something new and it's like a different tone and we're approaching it differently but it's okay to have a nod every once in a while and and if you keep it you know more subtle and nuanced it makes it so much more impactful than just oh, yeah. like every like every time there's a Miyagi mention you hear like doom 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 it's like right. we don't need that yeah <laughs> I, I thought that a lot of that stuff was treated very well and respectfully mm-hmm. both musically and on screen with yeah. the, the, the little nods of totally like, yes we do realize we're in the same world right but this is a different right. story right. it's a different viewpoint it's an aged universe absolutely yeah. Yeah. and yeah that's a good way to put it and we have also the last one which is like the the new Cobra Kai music which Slither is Miguel's training montage in episode 5 that's, that's kind that's of that's a very good yeah that's kind of the new new Cobra Kai yeah. sound which is this is kind of where the DAD influence comes in a little bit it's very very 80s influence but a lot it, of contemporary some of the tracks have some really contemporary like EDM elements yeah, in them exactly. too because it's a younger generation mm-hmm. and right. it's, it's not just 80s. yeah it, it's sort of like taking some of these other sound worlds we've described and kind of translating them for the new generation by adding like more right. contemporary elements right. and more right. synthesizers and yeah and there's a, yeah, yeah yeah and there's a legacy like you've talked about this too is there's a legacy of not just the score but you know most recognizable the most recognizable songs from Karate Kid are like You're the Best Around and Young Hearts and yeah mm-hmm. uh, and apparently this song that doesn't exist except for oh, yeah, when there's... we recently found out there is a song in the original Karate Kid when Daniel shows up to walks the dance. into the Halloween dance and he's dressed as like a shower and there's some song and apparently it's the only cut of this song that exists. No one knows where the master no, yeah, is. Yeah, so it's like only exists in Karate Kid. And someone was like, are you gonna incorporate that in the scores? Like, whoa, That's deep. that is deep <laughs> cut. Um, but we wanted to take influences of those types of kind of like 80s, uh, like both electronic, but like rock. It's kind of like yeah. 80s rock like soundtrack songs. So we did want to incorporate that and that's, and, that's also in some yeah, of this music. Yeah, we kind of, translated that into a more instrumental score right yeah. so so if this one is an 80s rock like soundtrack what was stranger things 80s sci-fi adventure yeah kind of that yeah. sci-fi horror because they don't Sci- really yeah. do the like, sci-fi they don't horror, really yeah. do the like amblin thing so much. no it's definitely like that takes a lot of influences from like a different whereas I guess, you know, in the 80s, you did have, you had your Spielbergian, like, Amblin picture. Tell us, 80s dad. And, uh, <laughs> you had, you know just as much as, about this as I do. You had that that type of genre film, like Goonies, like these feel yeah, good, yeah. like Stand By Me, those, that's what Stranger Things is kind of like. And then you also had, you know, you've had, you had Karate Kid, you had Top Gun, you had Bloodsport, like the Jean Van Damme, Rocky sequels, like, that type of, like, the 80s like, it's like sports the action, americana sport. filmed them yeah. things yeah. like so that's where this kind of draws from and i don't know like it i what i love about the show is that it's such a different tone than the movie oh like, yeah that's the best i i feel like that honestly doesn't even get talked about that often like people talk about it a, it's a good show but like is there any other big ip that has done like like such an evolution of the of like, like characters yeah. and tone and perspective yeah. and like it, it just, like, took this world and, like, one, humanized it into, like, 
you know, distilled down from these like caricatures almost of like Mr. Miyagi and right. like Ralph Macchio True. and like turns them all into these like human experiences that everybody can relate to. And then like shifts all the perspectives of like who maybe you should be cheering for and just like grays it and blurs it. Right. And like, throws you right back in and it's like I can't think of anything else right. that does that right. yeah really beautiful way of doing that too because the original Karate Kid is like hero's journey it's very yeah. Yeah. like oh yeah kind epic of dry. And oh yeah good guy bad guy yes teacher girl like the, yeah. you just you see yeah. you checklist yeah. all the uh -huh. characters but now it's like ooh like just three episodes in I was like oh I see this is gonna be cool yeah because like, yeah. it could go in any direction it's the exactly, way that's getting yeah. built so it's really great so then for you guys as uh, filmmakers when you watch this, what was going through your mind when you're starting to notice these things? So, like, you're watching and scoring at the same time, like, so they're like, here's all the episodes, mm -hmm. so you get to see it before. We generally do them one at a one time. At a time. Okay. They kind of all like overlap, so we'll be working on like as many as four at a time, but mm -hmm. like they all kind of start yeah. separately. Did you get them in order? Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So, yeah, what did. kind of excitement, like, what kind of things happened in the room with you guys <laughs> as you were watching it? We had read the scripts up until like five or six. So, yeah. then once we started going in for like the spotting session, which is where you decide like where the music's going to go and everything. So, we were watching, you know, for the first time with the showrunners and the editors. And like, there were a few times where I'm not going to say anything spoilers, but there were a few times where I was just like, yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, and that's fun to watch it as a viewer um, the first time. And then you, and then you kind of get, you, you get sent back down to reality and you're like, how the hell am I going to score this scene? Right. right. Like, there's a lot of pressure now. Right. <laughs> right, because you, just from watching it, got this epic feeling. Yeah. Right. And now you're like, okay, I have to, to come this. Do that. This. You've got to one-up it. you got to one-up it. Yeah, how do we yeah. make it more? So uh, is there any kind of moments in the show, without giving out any spoilers, wait, that were particularly difficult outside of this, mm. whatever mm. this was? Particularly difficult. Or like any characters that I said the process like, was kind of difficult. It was a quick. It was a quick turnaround. Yeah, they, like, it was. We how, did what was a the turnaround look like? Eight weeks. Oh wow. For like ten episodes, basically. Is that it? Yeah. So less. Well, than maybe we ten. Maybe started, we started a little early. Like, depends how you count like the first episode because that was kind of its own little right. process. And then I'm not counting it. Okay. So just yeah, two through ten was. Nine eight, to, eight, eight, nine eight to ten. So. so we were doing. There were a few episodes that was like there were four episodes in two weeks. Like that's. It was a, that's it was really tough. fast, it even was for tough. TV. Like, yeah. It yeah. Was but in terms really, of like, really fast. in terms of characters, I, I, or scene, are there scenes that you remember having a lot of trouble? I don't remember us like. I mean, what can I say? We're really good at our jobs. Well, like, so, <laughs> see, you guys are dynamic, right? And I can just imagine you guys in the booth, and you're like, "Yes, what about this? And then what about this?" It's just like we kids do, like do playing that. video it's, games. It's funny it because we that. don't actually like have a studio in the same place. So what we do is we just. We like when we start an episode, we'll we'll start by just doing like an initial divvy up of like, hey, you get started on this, I'll get started on this, and it's usually just has to do with whoever expresses interest and like, hey, I got an idea for this, great, like go do that, and then we'll start sending each other like videos just over iMessage, yeah. <laughs> like of us on the phone rather than like present any kind of like professional, right, like, oh right. here, listen to this mix of like the first thirty seconds of my idea. We'll literally just like film the. The screen. We delete it right after. Yeah, yeah. Film the screen with the audio playing and like text it back and yeah. forth. And that's how we like yeah. work on things. Yeah. I think um, I'm just thinking about like a challenge. We talked about those kind of score worlds. And I think uh, there were times where we had to figure out ways to make 
make things fit into those worlds and sometimes it's really hard when you're scoring like a comedy for example to like you have to sometimes write music where you can't spend a lot of time um stylizing it sometimes you just need to put some music behind a scene that's just gonna get a scene done like that's gonna contribute to what they need to happen and it you know some of that stuff didn't necessarily make the album exactly talking music things like that and like there were some we had to be uh cognizant of that type of score and where that was going to fit in and like you know it's got a person the score has a personality we need to keep it there and you know i think we did that to the best of our abilities and i think there are a few out outliers were like for for anyone who's like a big film scoring fan we're talking like the shaker cues yeah we call them shaker cues which is like someone it's just like people talking and you just gotta fill the space up with some music and shaker kind of does that (laughs) exactly <laughs> Billy, I'm going to have that over my show oh, all yeah. the time. Now. No, seriously, like you'll put it in, you'll be like, oh my God, this kind of makes it a little bit better. And then <laughs> we'll score your next thing and it'll be like, put the shaker cues in and yep. we'll be like, what have we done? Yep. What have we done? Everything. Yeah. Shakers, because my whole show is yeah, just shakers, talking. And shakers. I give a lot of, like, we both give a lot of credit um, to the film, to the film, like the showrunners. And also, like, they were super cool about us um, exploring yeah, these ideas we, that we had all been talking about. We had a pretty like open license to just kind of mess around yeah. and, and present. And they gave we good wanted. notes, and yeah. we were always on the same page. It was never really like there. I really can't think of a time where where we had any like big disagreements. And you know, we've been on some projects that have just been like really intense with like version after version after version getting thrown out, and we really never had that. And no, was, that says a lot to their smooth. vision. Like they kind of knew what. The, what their vision was and how and there was like no confusion about what the vision was exactly we like we knew if what we were doing was working or not right right it made sense because from the beginning there was a clear cut this is this is the tone this is working and there's molding like you need to you need to kind of like mold them as we were talking about like with that pilot working out the kinks and and working out the voice but once you get there they really knew like this is what it's supposed to sound like and we we got that too as we were developing Great. So with the the previous the job where you guys met, you were working on big blockbuster movies and there's a really large team. So with Cobra Kai, it sounds like was it just the two of you guys for the most part? If you're just sending each other like iPhone yeah. messages? Yeah. Uh yeah, yeah, we had, we yeah, had we, have, we have some we have some uh help like exporting files and whatnot because you, you just get too tired, right? Like yeah. <laughs> you get so exhausted from the creative <laughs> process that we'll give uh, Nathan Drube a shout yeah, out yeah. there. He helped yep. us out, our friend Nathan. Yep. Um, and we have, you know, musicians that we work with. Mm-hmm. We have right. um, an orchestrator who did the last episode, Vinny Vincent. Vincent. Apito. Um, and we have... Apito. Uh, my bad. Um, Apito. Apito. And who else did we... We had some um, musicians and contractors and there's... Yeah, yeah, there's that type of like non, non-composing musical team that yes. are on all these things that are yeah. very... Uh, it's very important. And like it's important to have good relationships with the people you work with so that you like develop a fast means of working so mm-hmm. that you know when the turnaround is tight and you got to record a 70 piece orchestra in Prague in like 10 days right. like everyone knows their job and like as Zach and I are finishing the music like it just goes through the pipeline right. and ends right. up halfway around the world and then we just sit there and record it. I'm just going to shout out also like Andre Sloxy our music oh, editor. Oh yeah, our music editor. You should have music like, editors oh on the God. show. Very I, under I, like underappreciated uh, profession in filmmaking as a music editor. Yeah, and they I would love to talk to music editors. They see everything. They see everything. They won't divulge anything. No, because they're, they're the all like between... boxes, but like right, man. they're the connection between composers and filmmakers a lot of the time. So like Andres was at the dubs, kind of like on our behalf, 
but you know if they if the filmmakers are watching it at the dub on the big stage and they say like oh man like there's actually an issue with the score they'll go to Andres and say can you fix it and like 95 percent of the time he'll fix it or a music yeah. editor will fix it so where does he play so you guys do the music you give it to the music editor mm-hmm. he puts it to picture is that what he's yeah, doing? Yeah, well, like it, technically it puts it to picture. Yeah, right? I mean we we write it to picture right. and then say hey it starts at this time code and then he throws it in. It gets but recorded then mixed. That's mm. like massively oversimplifying. Right. Like he ends up what he ends up with going into the dub is like you know a dozen stems for each cue that are all lined up in a specific fashion. And so if he needs to make an edit to change something about it, like he has all of these splits and can like edit some of the stems but not others to like. Yeah, it's it's like a he habit. also tempts the you know oh, yeah, temp music in these in these episodes like before we score there's music that the editors put in but a lot of the a lot of times editors aren't musical they also don't have libraries of mm-hmm. music and music editors generally do so it is awesome like I would say to any filmmakers who are watching or composers like get a music editor if you can because right. they're never budgeted right. for but they're very important. Oh, that yeah. is a really. You always end up needing them. You always end up needing. You always end up needing them in the end, so you better to plan for it. Right. Yeah. yeah just get like, that. Just try to negotiate that right away, yeah. or or take yes. the pay yeah. cut to get your music editor. Yeah. yeah. It's just it's, it's worth, just it. worth it. Yeah. That's yeah. a really great tip. What other tips do you have for our aspiring uh, composers specifically? Hmm. Um, I would say go work for someone if you can. Mm-hmm. They, although those jobs are, I guess, few and far between. Um. Yeah, where did you guys find that job where you guys met each other? I did grad school at USC in this program that was very geared towards film and television music. And um, Chris's assistant, like, before me, um, also did that program. And, in fact, like, 20 years prior, Chris had done that program. So there was, like, kind of, like, a little a legacy. pipeline. Yeah. And I was working for... Um, an orchestrator who conducted all of Chris's recording sessions in town at the time. And so I kind of met them through that job and then they needed some extra help. So they poached me from over there and then I never left. Ah, gotcha. And then how did you find it? I uh, had a connection to Jake who was the assistant before Leo. And, uh, and then I just went in and and met Jake and then it happened. And that was when I met grumpy Leo, but I I met, (laughs) Jake and and he had just called me up the next week and was like, hey, like, you know, I went in just for just to meet and check it out. I had just graduated. So then he said, do you want to come intern? Do you want to come intern on something? I was going to say that's a good piece of advice. Like if you get a chance to go like sit down with somebody or like just get a tour of their studio, even if it's like a huge composer and you get zero FaceTime with them meeting their team. Very good. Meet everyone. Meet everyone. everyone Because that is... That's just a really big thing. Like, the people that I have met that I have liked, I have helped them get jobs. And, yeah. like, you know, the people that have come after us at Chris's, I've helped get there. I've recommended a few of them, and, like, right. they're thriving. And Usually, if there's a job that needs doing or an opportunity to recommend someone, like, you kind of just go with, like, the last person who you, yeah. like, thought, like, recently put any brain power into, uh-huh. right? So Yeah, like, or, like, It's good to, like... like, be present and meet people and, like, yeah. be friendly with people because then, like, you'll get thought of. I don't know how it is on, like, an editor path or anything like that, um, but with music, if you're a composer, you're not... They're, composers aren't going to hire you for your musical abilities. They're going to hire you if you are a cool person to be yeah. around for a long time. And, like, good at 
doing boring right. minutiae. What's tasks. that thing called like the airport test? Is that like a thing? Is that from a movie or what something? Is that? I've never That's heard like that. you can spend a day with someone in an airport, then they're like Then you can they, hire them. Like someone that you're just like if you get trapped with them, are you gonna, you know, be able to handle it? And that's that's why that's got to be from like a movie or something. I, don't I feel know. like I've never heard of that. But I feel brilliant. like that backfire. Backfire. I guess it could. That you could hang out with in an airport but not work together. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Maybe. Yeah. But it is important to just be yourself and and have a cool personality and be willing to learn and show up, um, and uh, and then you know when you're in a position when you get to. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're not necessarily writing for somebody, but put yourself in a position where you're you are indispensable. You're indispensable. <laughs> I was gonna say when you're you're writing a lot anyway. Just like you need to be constantly. You need to just put hours and hours and hours into it. And the easiest way to do that is by working for someone. Right. If you're not doing that, you still just sit down and grind the ass. Yeah, because yeah. that's. Like, I think back to when I first graduated, and I think back to, like, how I scored... I'm sure you feel this way. Like, how I scored, like, student films I was working on, oh and it's just God, primitive. It's, it's horrible. Hilarious. Like I like so bad. I think back, and it actually stresses me out to think, like, I actually worked like that. And the only way I got better was because I was thrown into the fire. And, like, you've got to learn, you know, this new program. You've got to learn the key commands. You've got to learn the prep process. You've yeah, got to learn all that. Yeah, spend a lot of time on Google. Just and it was just it was just years of that, and that's and so then when you do get your own project, you take all those skills just like anything else and, and execute and you execute it. Bring your A game. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really great advice. It's uh, essentially what it sounds like is develop your workflow as early as possible. Yes. Yeah, even in school, I would and like to develop as many workflow. tools as you can. Like the the more things you can do, the better. Because we get asked to do the craziest stuff. Yeah, like. I'm going to add one more thing, too, because yeah. this piece of advice was given to me, and I actually see this um, a lot from younger composers, uh, is don't buy everything oh, at yeah. first. Like, use my composition teacher. I did not do film music in college, um, and but I was very plugged into kind of what you needed from film scoring. And, like, you need a lot of equipment, and that's kind of you know biased towards people that can afford that kind of stuff, and that's not really necessarily fair. But you actually don't need all of that. You really just need, like, you do need a computer, and you need a MIDI keyboard, and you basically, and you could use GarageBand or whatever, but, like, focus on your compositional technique first. Yeah. And your music, and then as you start getting more projects, um, as then you, you start, it, as it. you need it, buy it. Start accumulating these, like, sample libraries, because they're expensive, and you just, like, don't need it, all of it. You right. don't. Like, and don't write music, don't write big orchestra music, um, you know, for a student film because... Because you don't have an orchestra. You don't have an orchestra. It's like, not going to sound good. So yeah. tell your director, like, your movie's not going to be good. Let's do this with a guitar and exactly. synthesizer. Exactly. That makes sense. That yeah. totally, totally well, makes sense. Well, because you're not, like, ultimately, like, our job is to serve the film, whether it's a student film or it's, like, a Hollywood blockbuster or it's a TV show. And if you sell somebody something that you can't actually execute with the means of the show's budget, then you're not doing a service to right. the show. Totally. I, I always like now. to think of like, I, I like to use this metaphor a lot that like, we aren't really artists in our job because again, we're not like writing music in a bubble. Instead, we're like craftsmen. We're like, like I think like, we're like really high-end kitchen cabinet makers. <laughs> like there's a, there's a kitchen that already exists <laughs> and they're coming to us and saying like, we need cabinets. They need to be built really well because we want them to last for the lifetime of this house. And, you know, we don't want them to look like Ikea cabinets, like they, which are 
perfectly nice for some things, but like these are custom cabinets and they might have some like weird bends in the kitchen where they need some like custom sizes for the corners. And it's so it's like, it's all, <laughs> uh, really, I use I this all the time. Um, and so like we are building something with artistic skills, but ultimately like it's a piece of craft for like a client that is like a thing that gets used. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're being built into something else. Yeah. That you're, you're having to, like, appease your client. You want to make sure that you're right, right tone for them so you guys can juke and jive and be like, oh, you didn't like this cover for the cabinet? Well, I got a different well, one for yeah, you. Yeah, and if, exactly. And it, I love like, that because I don't get you know, that. If, we, if, yeah, we, if I make cabinets in, like, the, the wrong size for the wrong places in the kitchen with the wrong wood just because I, like, felt like it or just because I, like, really wanted to work with maple wood today, even though, like, they live in a birch forest, like, why I should be fired. Like, it's absurd. So, true. Yeah. yeah. All right. Good. Well, yeah. that's that's fabulous yeah. advice. And and I, I've said this to a few of our composers that come in because I like am new to understanding music. I'm trying to stop saying I don't get music because I did for a long time. Uh -huh. so, so I'm new to understanding it. Sure. Uh, like I can see it or I can hear it when it's on. But if I if you gave me a scene, I'm like I don't know something like this. Like mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't know what right. to make. How and to make it. Most directors are like that too. Mm -hmm. Like that's yeah. We spend almost no time actually talking talking music. about music it's all about like, feeling and emotion and tone and you and just like say colors and exactly like, like just like words like prompting yeah words. oh this is great then so how about some advice for filmmakers that are first getting into working with composers don't try to talk music yes it's honestly <laughs> there is literally nothing more annoying than and what do you mean talk music like start talking about like oh, oh what the violins what if you to, went what, like, should, should we do do you call that minor should yeah. we go minor there oh. or or like even more than that <laughs> yeah, which is that. a bit of which is a bit of like a, a, that's kind of like the, the person who's like playing like I don't know what I'm talking about like just embrace that then there's also like the person who like has a musical background but like and and tries to like do the composing for you a little bit yeah like just talk about how you're feeling yeah like if just you say about, i like, want the motivation of the characters and how you're feeling and if someone doesn't if some if a composer comes back to you and it's not right say this is what this music is making me feel like for example the music you gave me makes me feel kind of anxious, but what I actually want to feel is really happy. Interesting. Exactly. Great. So talking and communicating in, in feelings, because right. that is the through line between the visual and the audio. Yeah. Is the feeling. Right. And composers can, that's how we, you know, interpret that. We say, like, we're scoring, uh, you know, we're scoring a scene based on the, the tone of the scene. And like, I'm sure you've seen that, like a lot of people have seen this like common exercise of like taking one scene and scoring it one way and scoring it and then scoring it another way. And it you know, if you score a, uh, you know, the Shining um, trailer is different when you put Peter Gabriel music behind it than it is when you put, like, some... Tenderecki. Exactly, when you yeah. put, like, the score to it, um, the scary score. So we're used to talking about emotion. That's, like, how we do it. And that's definitely what we just tell directors and yeah. filmmakers. That is yeah. fabulous, fabulous cool. advice. Yeah. So thank you so much. Great. We've got stuff for composers. we got stuff yeah. for oh, yeah. the directors to yeah. work with composers. So lovely, lovely stuff. Uh, you guys, make sure you check out Cobra Kai on YouTube. And you can check out the, the soundtrack, uh, this awesome, badass soundtrack that I can't wait to listen to in the car. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> everywhere you can find music, Spotify, iTunes, the Target, I don't is know if target? it's at Target. No? That'd be cool. I, I yeah, have no idea. I don't think so. That'd but awesome. it actually the, the, the physical releases <laughs> from the physical releases from La La Land Records, okay. who is an amazing label that does a lot of soundtracks. And uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and they're playing right now. They're oh, playing yeah. Sensei Sam. Oh. There's a few bonus tracks. Track. Bonus tracks. We have nine bonus tracks on the CD. That are not part of the show. That are not on the. Uh, they're no, not they on are the part of the show. Release. They're not on the digital. Cool. So yeah. if you want it, gotta, you gotta, gotta go buy, buy it. Buy the hard copy. Yep. Awesome. And you gotta go find a CD player. Yeah, just yeah, the car's good. You can, get, Your car's car. good. Remember awesome. cars? CD uh, honestly, <laughs> CDs sound good. They sound great. Like, if yeah. you compare <laughs> listening to the CD to Spotify, CD good. sounds better. All right, I can't wait. I can't wait. Thank, <laughs> Thank you, you so much, Leo and Zach. Uh, let them know where they can find you on the internet. At Leo Bierenberg. At Zach Robinson with an H. LeoBierenberg.com. Nice. ZachRobinsonMusic.com. Okay, we got the, we got the, all the websites. Yeah. Good. All right, and then I'm <laughs> Mary Lou Mandel. We will catch you next time on On The Fly Filmmaking. You can find me all over the internet at Mary Lou Mandel. We'll catch you next time. Thank you. Thank you. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.